Hello, this is your daily dose of news from our Manorama. I'm your host Vishnu and these are the major news stories of the day. We begin with South Korea, US and Japan calling for stronger international backing of ban on North Korea workers. Nuclear envoys of all three nations met in Seoul on Friday in their first gathering in four months to discuss how to cope with North Korea's growing nuclear arsenal. Israel strikes Hamas in Lebanon and Gaza after rocket attack. Two dead in Palestinian retaliation. India records over 6,000 new COVID-19 cases and 14 deaths. Indian government issues notification to Pulis Online News. Editor's Guild calls it akin to censorship. Kodiko train fired, accused Shah Rukh Saifi charged with murder. Let's get into the details. South Korea, the US and Japan called for stronger international support of efforts to ban North Korea from sending workers abroad and curb the North's cyber crimes as a way to block the country's means to fund its nuclear program. The top South Korean, US and Japanese nuclear envoys met in Seoul on Friday in their first gathering in four months to discuss how to cope with North Korea's growing nuclear arsenal. The North's recent weapons tests show it is intent on acquiring more advanced missiles designed to attack the US and its allies rather than returning to talks. Despite 11 rounds of UN sanctions and pandemic-related hardships that have worsened its economic and food problems, North Korea still devotes much of its cash resources to its nuclear and missile programs. Contributing to financing its weapons program is also likely the North's crypto-hacking and other illicit cyber activities and the wages sent by North Korean workers remaining in China, Russia and elsewhere despite an earlier UN order to repatriate them by the end of 2019, experts say. In a joint statement, the South Korean, US and Japanese envoys urged the international community to thoroughly abide by UN resolutions on the banning of North Korean workers overseas, according to Seoul's foreign ministry. The ministry said a large number of North Korean workers remain engaged in economic activities around the world and transmit money that is used in the North's weapon programs. It said the three envoys tried to call attention to the North Korean workers because the North may further reopen its international borders as the global COVID-19 situation improves. It is not known exactly how many North Korean workers remain abroad. But before the 2019 UN deadline passed, the US State Department had estimated there were about 100,000 North Koreans working in factories, construction sites, logging industries and other places worldwide. Civilian experts had said that those workers brought North Korea an estimated $200 million to $500 million in revenue each year. Israel conducted rare airstrikes in Lebanon on Friday, a sharp escalation that sparked fears of a broader conflict after militants fired dozens of rockets from Lebanon into Israeli territory. Israel also continued bombarding the Gaza Strip. Just hours later, during a brief lull in hostilities on Israel's northern and southern borders, an alleged Palestinian shooting attack near an Israeli settlement in the occupied West Bank killed two women in their 20s and critically wounded another 45-year-old, Israeli medics said. The attack, coming after weeks of unusually heightened unrest in the West Bank, suggested that the recent violence over Jerusalem's most sensitive site could be spreading to the occupied territory. The early morning Israeli strikes on southern Lebanon, what analysts described as the most serious border violence since Israel's 2006 war with Lebanon's Hezbollah militant group, meanwhile threatened to push the confrontation into a dangerous new phase following heightened tensions at one of Jerusalem's holiest sites. 
Although the Israeli military was quick to emphasize that its warplanes struck sites belonging to only Palestinian militant groups, the barrage risks drawing in Israel's bitter foe Hezbollah, which holds sway over much of southern Lebanon and has in the past portrayed itself as a defender of the Palestinians and the contested city of Jerusalem. Just as calm appeared to return to Israel's border, prompting the military to allow residents of the south to leave bomb shelters, a Palestinian driving in the Jordan Valley allegedly opened fire on a car of three women, killing two of them. Medics said they dragged the unconscious women out of the destroyed car and declared two dead at the scene, where a Palestinian car also appeared to be smashed on the side of the highway. The Israeli military said it was searching for the attacker who had fled the area. No Palestinian group immediately claimed responsibility for the shooting. On Israel's border with Lebanon and Gaza on Friday, the Israeli military said it was boosting infantry and artillery forces in a defensive move to prepare for all possible scenarios. The rising number of COVID-19 cases is a cause for concern with the country looking at a possible third wave. As per the data updated by the Union Health Ministry on Friday, 6,050 new COVID cases were reported in India in the last 24 hours, the highest in 203 days. The active cases have increased to 28,303. On September 16th last year, 6,298 cases were recorded. The death toll has increased to 5,30,943 with 14 deaths. Three reported from Maharashtra, two each from Karnataka and Rajasthan, one each from Delhi, Gujarat, Haryana, Himachal Pradesh, Jammu and Kashmir and Punjab, and one was reconciled by Kerala. The daily positivity rate has been recorded at 3.39% and the weekly positivity rate at 3.02%. The total tally of COVID cases stands at 4.47 crore. Meanwhile, Union Health Minister Mansuk Manvia on Friday held a review meeting and advised states to stay alert and be prepared for COVID-19 management. In the meeting with state health ministers and principal and additional chief secretaries held virtually, Manvia stressed on identifying emergency hotspots by monitoring trends of influenza-like illnesses and severe acute respiratory infection cases, ramping up testing and vaccination and ensuring readiness of hospital infrastructure. Along with enhancing genome sequencing and ramping up whole genome sequencing of positive samples, he also emphasized on creating awareness about following COVID-appropriate behavior. He also urged the state health ministers to conduct mock drills of all hospital infrastructure on April 10th and 11th and review the health preparedness with district administrations and health officials on April 8th and 9th. The Union Ministry of Electronics and IT on Thursday issued a notification on the amendments to the 2021 IT rules which gives it sweeping powers to constitute a unit that will decide to determine what is fake or false or misleading concerning any business of the central government. The amendments to the IT rules makes it obligatory on social media platforms not to publish, share or host fake, false or misleading information about the government. This could also include news articles or videos published by media organizations online. Editors Guild, an association of news editors in the country, called the government's move deeply disturbing. It said the ruling will severely affect the press freedom in the country. All this is against principles of natural justice and akin to censorship, the body said in a statement. The Guild once again urged the ministry to withdraw the notification and conduct consultations with media organizations and press bodies. Talking to reporters after the notification was issued, Minister of State for Electronics and IT Rajiv Chandrasekhar said on Thursday that fact-checkers are a reference point to fight against misinformation and rejected arguments that it will adversely impact free speech. Shahrukh Saifi, 
accused in the Alapura Kannur Executive Express arson attack case, has been charged with murder by the police, as per Manorama News reports. According to local police, the accused was involved in the deaths of the three people in the incident. Interestingly, the case registered by the railway police did not include a murder charge. It is indicated that UAPA has not been imposed at present. Earlier, Munsif Court Judge S.V. Manish reached Kodikot Medical College Hospital and remanded Shahrukh, who was under treatment for jaundice and liver-related problems, till April 28. The medical board, which met to take a call on his health condition, deemed Shahrukh healthy enough to be discharged. The accused will be transferred to the district jail. Shahrukh was admitted to a special cell room in the hospital under police surveillance. He was admitted as per the advice of doctors, who decided he required inpatient treatment for his injuries. A medical report stated Shahrukh had less than 1% burn injuries and that the other wounds on his body were because he jumped off the train. Doctors also confirmed there were no problems with his vision. The stringent Unlawful Activities Prevention Act may be invoked against Shahrukh Saifi given the intensity of the crime, though the Special Investigation Team is yet to find out the motive behind the horror act. This would also result in the National Investigation Agency taking over the probe to conduct a detailed inquiry into the terror angle. The Special Investigation Team has received legal advice that UAPA charges will stand in the case as the accused knowingly poured petrol on passengers of the train and lit them on fire. However, State Police Chief Anil Khan made it clear that a final decision on the matter is yet to be taken. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening to Daily News Tours, hosted and produced by me, Vishnu, with technical support by Idea Brew Studios. Follow on Manorama.com for detailed updates on the latest news and be sure to come back tomorrow.